listeners, and welcome to the Afriwetu podcast, where we look to celebrate African history and culture by telling our story. One of the things that is important to Afriwetu is the knowledge of our legends as part of that story. So today is a Legends episode. Now, as with most legends, there is the facts, and then there's a sprinkle of the mysterious that form their story, and this one is no exception. If you haven't yet, please go back and listen to the Luba Empire episode, as this legend is a founding member of that civilization. So, I am very, very pleased to have on the line with me, guys, the wonders of technology. We're not even in the same city, and this is all done through what we in Swahili say, Marifa, one of my best friends, Kenyo Agasheshe, our guest narrator for the day. So, a few things I want to share about Kenya that I can do in public and that he won't sue me for. We've been friends essentially from birth. He is the father of two amazing children, twins. He's a farmer. I will ask him to share more on that a bit later. He's a semi-professional footballer playing for a Kenyan club called Railways. He's a footy fan of the best team in the world, which is also my team, Liverpool FC. On the side, he writes and likes to think that he's deep and poetic. Mm -hmm. He is the inner circle and has been there from the start, seen the good, bad, and ugly. He's basically my friend. So now, Kenya, <laughs> that was a great intro. You have to admit it. <laughs> I, I don't know why you want to stop. You should carry on. Just be quiet. <laughs> so, but seriously though, outside of me blatantly using our friendship, just... Tell us a bit about why you agreed to do this. Well, I think if you need many more reasons other than friendship to do things like this, uh, I'm not sure what they are. Um, <laughs> but I also think that it's something very important what you're doing. And Thank cul you. cultivating stories about ourselves, about our history, about the ideas and perspectives we have of who we are um, is incredibly powerful. And, and, and important. And I think like many other people have observed, if we don't do that, uh, you can't expect other people to come and write your stories about yourself for you. That's very true. That's very, very true. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of stories, can you tell us just a little, a little teaser, if you will, about the tale that you have for us? My gosh, this tale <laughs> was interesting to me because it featured twins. And being a father of twins, uh, yeah, I was intrigued by that. Yeah, I think of, I think about these things, <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that it it grew in its interest in terms of how uh, it started in a very serene and quiet setting, and which uh, left me completely unprepared for some of the turns and corners and twists that came along the way. This is true. This is true. So I just want to share a few facts with the listeners about DRC, which is basically um, Katanga was a base region for this particular legend uh, before I hand over to Kenya. So DRC is on the west coast of Southern Africa by the Atlantic Ocean. It was formerly called Zaire and was changed to DRC in the 1997, 1990s. It is a huge country and to date is the second largest in Africa. So, 
It is bordered to the north by Central African Republic, South Sudan, to the east, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, and Tanzania, and down south, Malawi, Zambia, and Angola, to the west, <laughs> Republic of Congo, and the Atlantic Ocean. The capital city is Kinshasa. It actually has a tropical forest, one of the largest in the world. It is very rich in minerals, such as diamonds, copper, and cobalt, to name a few. So, having those facts and having an idea of where we are, let me hand over to you, Kenya, to tell us the tale. Thank you. And today's tale is about the legend of Kalala Ilungu. On the right bank of the Lualaba River, there once were a man and a woman. Kiubaka Ubaka, he who builds many houses. And Kibumba Bumba, she who makes much pottery. Guided by the sound of chopping, the man discovered the woman who was preparing firewood. They lived for a long time under the same roof and brought forth twins of the opposite sex who became inseparable companions. The twins found a place rich in fish and spent the day catching fish, the nights in each other's arms. In their turn, they brought forth twins who lived in the same manner, far from their parents. This new generation took up trapping and so, pairs of twins, moving in each generation a little farther westward, populated the country. Kongolo, the first divine king of the Luba, was the offspring of Kubaka Ubaka and Kibumba Bumba. He brought all the lands of the west under his authority. He crossed the Lualaba with a large following, and he built a great village. And about the same time, a hunter called Ilunga Mbidi Kilue left his village to conquer the peoples living between the Lualaba and Lubilash rivers. On the way home, he met his brother-in-law, Kongolo. Mbidi Kilue was shocked to see that Kongolo ate and drank in the company of his people. Mbidi Kilue angrily told him that he had conquered the country, but had failed to observe the elementary prohibition that obliges a king to hide himself when he eats or drinks. He then departed from Kongolo. When he arrived at the Lualaba River, he told the local chief that Kongolo had insulted him. Mbidi Kilue had left behind Kongolo's sisters. Mbidi's wives, Mabela and Bulanda, who were pregnant. He entrusted them to the care of the diviner, Mijibu. The sons they would bring into the world were to rejoin Mbidi. He said that the chief would recognize them by their black skins. But if a red-skinned man asked permission to cross the river, 
he was to be refused. But if a black man asked, he should agree at once. At the village of Kongolo, Mabela and Bulanda each gave birth to a boy, Kisula and Kalala Ilungu. Kongolo invited his nephew, Kalala Ilunga, to a game. And, with Mijibu's help, Kalala Ilunga had no trouble beating his uncle. When Kongolo invited his other nephew to a game, Mijibu magically made it possible for Kisula to win. Kongolo's mother told her son not to contest with Kalala Ilunga. Angered by the growing renown of his nephew, Kongolo caused a pit to be dug, lined with iron spikes and hidden under a mat. He invited Kalala to dance in his honor. Mijibu gave Kalala two spears and told him to brandish one while using the other to test the ground during his dance. Kalala Ilunga, dancing, hurled his spear at the mat. The weapon passed through it, revealing a trap. Kalala Ilunga fled, determined to join his father. Kongolo pursued him. But the nephew had already crossed the Lualaba River when his uncle reached its bank. Faithful to Bidi Kilue's orders, the local chief refused to allow the king to cross. Kongolo tried in vain to build a stone causeway across the river. His iron implements, however, were useless against a rock. Kongolo then decided to lure Kalala Ilunga to his side of the river. He compelled the diviner Mijibu and one Mugendi to climb to the top of a great tree and call the fugitive back. There was no response from Kalala to their calls. Mijibu and Mugendi spent two days without food at the top of the tree. Mijibu escaped thanks to his magical powers. He crossed the Lualaba with a mighty leap. But Mugendi died of hunger. Mijibu succeeded in joining Bidikilue, who raised a great army and entrusted its command to his son. Kalala Ilunga's army seized the capital. Kongolo took refuge. A woman discovered him. And Kalala Ilunga's army came to encircle the hideout. Kongolo was captured, beheaded, and castrated. The head and genitals of the dead king were sent in a basket to Kalala Ilunga's father. And a miracle happened at the village of Lenga. When the man who was carrying the basket placed it on the ground, a termite hill formed over it with extraordinary speed, burying it under a mound of red earth. Mbidi Kilue reminded his son of the precise ritual observances required of divine kings. A king was obliged to take food and drink alone and out of sight. A special house had to be devoted to the preparation of royal meals because it was forbidden for the king to eat in a place where fire had been made. 
After securely establishing his rule over the country, Kalala Ilunga took the name Ilunga Mwine Munza. Ilunga exhibited the characteristics that were viewed by the Luba as ideal for a leader. Ilunga was handsome and had a dark complexion, which was the ideal skin tone for the Luba. He was a magnanimous leader with high moral character, both privately and publicly. In contrast, the deposed Kolongo was a brash alcoholic and lacked self-control. It is not surprising that the Luba embraced Ilunga and admired his governance over that of Kolongo. And herein ends the tale of Kalala Ilunga. Thank you very much, Kenya. That was truly quite a gripping <laughs> tale. <laughs> so what was your best bit about this tale, about this legend, Kalala Ilunga? <laughs> I think my best bit was... Uh... Mm-hmm. The flow of the story, right? And yeah. how, we, how we began in a very peaceful place um, <laughs> by a riverside with people in love, having twins. How we went through mm-hmm. the saga of uh, capture, beheading, and castrations. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, arrived at a, and arrived at a place where we had um, a, a character whom people looked up to. And, yes. you know, it might make you wonder, isn't this a bit too violent and a bit too raw? But it's life, right? Um, yeah. And I think it's life and it's important that we don't hide the nature of these stories from ourselves today, that we try and have some sort of romanticized picture of our ancestors. I think they were as, as kind and brutal as we are today. <laughs> Actually, no, that's, that's also true. And I know that, you know, uh, as we're doing this tale, there's a conversation that's happened between myself, you and the my, my producer, Lee, which is like, oh, and I was like, you know, should we put in some of that language? And you both raise a very good point. It's like, you know what, why when we sanitize things too much, then we sometimes lose the essence of the tale. And actually this happened. And this is part of the story. And um, I know a lot of tales out there are sanitized. So I guess let's be different. Let's let's tell it as it is. Um, so I did say earlier on that you're a farmer. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit about what it is you do and what your social media handles are so that they can get in touch? Yeah. So in, in a non-beheading castrating kind of way, (laughs) we, (laughs) we, we, we run a farm in a place called Lusoi, which is halfway between, uh, on your way to Nanyuki. Mm Mm-hmm. We plant a really wide variety of vegetables. And the idea for us is how can we get crops from our farm onto your table at home within a day of harvest? And we harvest every week uh, on Thursdays and Fridays, and we get our produce sent down to Nairobi, take your orders through the week, and so that what we harvested yesterday morning could be at your home today. And the idea then is just to create a, a way for you to have a really, really tasty ingredients for your home home cooking at home um, and to be trusting of where it comes from and to have a very direct relationship with a farmer in that process. That's awesome. And I can say as a customer, genuinely, I do use um, Farmer Ken products for my home cooking, so I would highly recommend it. Could you tell people what the social media handles so that they can follow and then order through those handles? Sure. I mean, uh, I'm on Twitter, jkenyua, J-K-E-N-Y-U-A. And on Instagram, I'm the same. And on Facebook, we are, uh, you can find us at Farmer Ken 
on Facebook. And within the next week, we'll be releasing an ordering app as well, which we'll be sharing with with uh, with you guys as customers, um, so that you can you can order more directly through us from there. Okay, thank you very much, and thank you to all of you who've tuned in. And until next time, mubarakiwe. If you have any feedback, if you have any questions, comments, please do visit us on our social media platforms at Afriwetu on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also email us at afriwetu at gmail.com. And please feel free to also leave a message at anchor.fm forward slash Afriwetu. So I'd like to give a shout out and a huge thank you to my dream team. For one, Mwendwa Mbugwa for the direction and for all the support she's given me for Afriwetu. And then I'd also like to say a huge thank you to Big City Studios for editing, mixing, sourcing the music, the sound effects, basically all things production in relation to Afriwetu because it really does make a difference and brings these stories to life. Thank you.